Hi, you're listening to the Times and Places podcast with me, Caitlin Bryant. This episode, I'll be joined by two guests to discuss how they met and their friendship that formed in a place that you'd least expect. Firstly, Manus Labashane, an Australian test cricket player who burst onto the international sporting stage in 2019 as he famously came out to bat in the second Ashes tests at Lords as Steve Smith's concussion substitute. He made his name for himself in the Australian team, helping them secure the Ashes that year. Since then, Marnus has grown from strength to strength and is regarded as one of the best batters in the world right now. The second guest is James Botham, who plays flanker for Cardiff Rugby in Wales. As the name suggests, James is from cricketing royalty, with his grandfather being Sir Ian Botham. However, this young sportsman decided from a young age that he'd continue the legacy of the Botham name in a different sport and make himself known. So let's get started. Here are Manus Labashame and James Botham on the Times and Places podcast. Hello, 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 boys. Hello. Hello. We made it. Oh, where are you? Where's Jim? I can't see Jim. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, there you are. Right, lad. Jeez. How are we? Two days. Go for it. How are you, Manus? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, James? You are, I'm all good. So I think the thing that I've always found most interesting about your friendship is how you both came into each other's lives. As despite you both being professional sportsmen and the common theme of cricket you share, it was actually a more unusual situation that brought you both together. Do you reckon you could tell us a bit more about how you first met? Um, oh, how do we first meet? I reckon we... It was I just reckon, literally in the pub. Yeah, I reckon it was in the pub. But, like, because you only moved down the road, there was still some of James's stuff in the apartment that I was staying in. Mark and we ended up talking... Well, we ended up talking for a bit, I think. And then I, I think you were like, actually, I've still got some stuff there. And that's how I then met him. And then obviously the coincidence with him being, you know, I was playing cricket in Glamorgan, him being, you know, a Botham. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh, wow, this is, this is pretty epic. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was pretty much alone. I don't think my wife was over there by then yet. So, oh, um, no. yeah, so... Me and Jim pretty much just hung out most days. And then when you came in, I probably only met you. You and James already met, but I probably only met you later in that summer yeah. when, um, yeah, when me and James were were in at the pub while I was in at the pub pretty much every night because I was... Yeah, you were, yeah. Making friends. I don't spend dying. good time by myself, so I just go to the pub. I was using the Wi-Fi and the Robin Hood. <laughs> Saving myself a quid or two. Don't need to do that now, man. I see you. Um, but you guys, obviously, you've had like a, I think I remember you guys would go and did you have like a little throw around with the rugby ball between the two of you or get down to the nets and have a little hit? Yeah, no, we went, went a few times. Walk, didn't we? Yeah, we went for a walk, took the dog for the walk and uh, we were hit and drop goals from the, from the, from the from rugby Canada, pitch yeah, there at Fields. And we actually, I reckon we took a ball too. 
Yeah, we, we took up we took a cricket ball as well because Siegel Siegel was there, wasn't it? That was the first yeah, time I met Nick Siegel. Selman. Yeah. yeah. So he was another guy that played for me at Glamorgan. I don't. I think you've met Nick. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. maybe. No, you will. Have. When we all went in that time, and they're outside the front. You were oh, sat down there. You have a better memory. You, you were. You popped you have over. A better memory than me. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah, because it was because it was Kieran as well. Kieran was sat down with us. I'm that time. terrible with names. But did his, did he live up to both of them name with the old cricket bat, Marnus? Oh, look, I gave him a few. He's definitely got some skills. He's got some skills, but I reckon he's he's put on too much muscle at the gym now. He's he's like he's got that the rugby rig now. You know, you need these oh, yeah. stringy arms. You need the stringy arms. <laughs> cricket. Stick to the day, day job, James. No, we, we had some serious days in the old in the garden at uh, Cuff's place, didn't we? Have some yeah. Things. Be a bit of a just throwing a ball at each other. Yeah. That's all you did, yeah. mate. I swear, that's, you still do that now, I, I bet. All you do <laughs> is play cricket in your house. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's what we did today. We actually kicked the footy in the park today. Nice. Lesh. I'm going to take it back to 2019. Um, and it would actually have been kind of the last time I hung out with you, Manus, before you sort of hit the big time, so to speak. And I remember we were at James's house. We were just hanging out in the garden. And the next day, I think you were going to the Ashes Australian training camp and you were sort of being really cool, calm and collected about it all. But what was it like walking in to the training camp for the first time and meeting everyone? Um, well, I mean, probably two parts. I mean, I, I played for Australia before then, I think only four games or three games, but I was relatively um, unknown or very inexperienced especially at international level. Um, and I was kind of picked in that squad from sort of left field as well. Um, I wasn't really part of the, 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 te- the, the, the sort of original team that was selected. So I was sort of brought on extra because I did well for Glamorgan in the county championship. Um, but at that stage of my playing, I was very calm and, and very, like, I don't know, very confident in where I was with my game so I was kind of like oh well you know I feel like I'm playing really well if I get an opportunity I'll be able to take it and I think that sort of freedom um, is what really helped me when I then went into that that game against them that we played against each other yeah yeah because obviously your big break then came in the second test at Lords um what was that feeling like walking up to the crease to sort of bat in an ashes match yeah um I mean once again it was a little bit of um yeah a bit of an interesting situation obviously um a new rule came in that year for a concussion sub I um Steve Smith got hit in the head by Joffrey Archer and then um I sort of um yeah replaced Steve Smith and um yeah it was a bit weird um obviously walking through the long room at Lords is, is quite a special moment it's quite um but when the people, you walk through there and people are like, this isn't Steve Smith, like, who the heck is this guy? Um, yeah, so it was an interesting experience, but, um, yeah, it's one that I'll never forget. And, uh, you know, obviously, as soon as you walk onto the field, and I think James can sort of testify to this, but, like, it's I get the most nervous before the match. During the yeah. match, when you're playing, you just sort of... You zone out, don't you? You just react and you're just getting on. You, you know, yeah, your mind's in a different place. So it's more just that, like, when you're waiting to bat that, you know, that anxiety and anticipation before you play. 
Yeah. Because, James, you were actually at Lords, weren't you? I literally, yeah, it was weird. I remember walking past Marius, you were throwing balls down. Were you throwing, who were you throwing balls down? I don't know who it was for. But um, I was with one of the boys called James Down walking in, and I was giving Marius some stick about being a ball boy, basically, throwing the ball down. And then literally, next minute, I, as I'm having a few drinks in the, in the box, enjoying myself, I see Marius coming out. I didn't have a clue what was going on. Honestly, I was at point. What's he doing? Yeah, I was literally <laughs> like, shit. Um, so, and, I was, and then literally, I think that's the first time I actually sat down and just constantly watched it. Because he did, because he, um, he, he whacked you in the head as well, didn't he? Yeah, first ball, yeah, yeah. first ball. And I was thinking, oh, shit, that's not the best start. Hopefully he didn't get taken off. And then then you just <laughs> turned into an absolute, I was probably the most hated person by the English then you were that day, I think. Yeah. Well, luckily you're Welsh now, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> isn't there a Welsh cricket team, is there? That's, that's, the, that's yeah. the weird one. Like, so nah, so you're, still, you're still English when it comes to cricket. British, mate, that's what it is. <laughs> British, yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, kind man. of on the topic of Wales, though, you both have, like, a strong affinity to Wales because, obviously, Manus, I know that you love coming over to play for Gamorgan. What is it about Cardiff and Wales that you kind of love so much and have such a close connection with? Um, oh, I mean, coming from a different country, obviously, oh, well, England and Wales are a different country. That's probably the worst thing you can say to the Welsh that you mix England and you've Wales You've learned well, Marnus, um, you've learned well. Um, yeah, I've had been corrected many times. Um, but just coming from Australia, being there, I, I just felt like England was quite big and, and spread out. I just love kind of, I just love the community, um, obviously, Ackermorgan um, County for the cricket, but just... The Welsh people are so nice and I felt, I don't know, I just, I drew, you know, I, I just got along with a lot of the people there. I mean, even from, you know, the first few days I was there staying um, at, you know, 14, 7 Grove, I think, I, if I was yeah. correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, and just the Robin Hood there, meeting all the locals there, meeting yourself, James, you know, it's really nice to, to be able to meet people outside of your workplace as well. And I think that that's what's really nice about Wales. I mean, we even, you know, and I think that's the part I, I really enjoy when you go over to a different country. You don't know anyone. And you obviously, you know, all the cricket boys and stuff, you always get to meet them. But obviously meeting people outside of that circle, um, it speaks volumes for obviously Wales as a, as a place. Yeah. Because, James, yours is like a slightly different story because you were born in Wales but you were raised in England yeah. but you like it's it seems that you seemed pretty adamant that you wanted to play for Wales um why was that and what was kind of that sort of connection that you had with Wales that you wanted to play for Wales over England yeah it was a weird one like dad dad was down here in like 1997 till I think it was nine, maybe 2000 so it had me in 98 down here um, and then obviously I just went back up with my dad when he moved back up, um, back up north and then because he went to rugby league. So yeah, I grew up in um, North Yorkshire, but I went to school in Cumbria pretty much all my life. Um, and I don't know, it was weird. Like I've, since I've been a kid, I've always had literally the Welsh flag painted on the wall. It's been weird. Like, I've just always said I wanted to play for Wales since literally I started playing rugby when I was six and probably from about nine when I actually started to understand what it was a bit. Um, I kind of said, yeah, I want to play. And then basically with obviously they brought in all the Gatlin's laws and all that stuff that you have to have so many caps before you can leave basically or play. But in, in my eyes, the best route for me to, to get involved and try and get some sort of game time and try and help myself as a career because 
I wanted to go rugby as well because cricket for me, I was never going to be what Grandad was ever ever was. Like that was yeah. never going to be the case. I was always going to get a stick no matter what. And it was <laughs> like okay, as much as a stick, stick, but it's just it just gets petty. Like it's shit chat. Like cricket, no offense, Marnus, the chat is appalling. Um, uh, it is no, it is like they honestly, it's horrendous. Um, so then, then I chose to go go rugby. So then I came down for a trial down here. Um, now I'd been in 2016. Um, and then literally just went from there. They offered me like a like a trial after that, and then it went well. And then it was my first academy contract, which I was over the moon for. And then it's just progressed from there, really. I played in the 18s, Wales, and then 20s, and then Cardiff. I was uh, it was Blues at the time, and then literally it's all happened with me. I, I was unlucky with a few injuries. I didn't really play an awful lot, but um, honestly, I can't really describe. It's, it's hard to describe because people say, "Oh, what's it like?" And I literally, it was so. It's a whirlwind. Yeah, like I just obviously it's always been an ambition and a goal to play for Wales, but to have it that soon um, for me personally, I was I was in shock. Like at one minute, um, I had like at the beginning of the season playing well, okay. Then I had a shoulder injury, which I was like, oh crap, I'm going to be out for a while here. Then I kind of just got on with it, and then literally one minute I get called from um, Martha, um, Nugget saying, oh, um, would you want do you want you coming into the camp? Have you got your stuff? And I was like, what? So it was a bit overwhelming. And like I say, for the first time I did it, it was, everyone was talking about full stadium stuff. Like with me, I've had like three, technically, if I play again, I'll have three different moments. So I had my first game um, at Park of Scarlet, so it wasn't at the stadium, which is no crowd as well. So it's a bit, like obviously it was great playing I was against Georgia for the country and stuff. And then suddenly I went into the stadium for Six Nations and still no one. So I still hadn't have any fans. And then the summer we had 7,000. So like I still haven't had that experience yet of a full crowd. I've been to watch it and it's getting to watch, but um, yeah, because it. it was 2019 as well. You got your professional contract with the then Cardiff Blues. And then yeah. in the, the following autumn, you got your first caps. Do you think, because it was around a similar time, do you think maybe seeing Marnus reach that sort of like next level in the international arena, did it like kind of give you the belief that you could do the same? To be honest. I give you the belief, Jim? Yeah. Is he your inspiration, James? As much as, as, much as I love, love Marnus, I wouldn't say like um, it was like pick me up because... I can't remember when it when it really happened because it would have probably been a similar time, really. Mm. You would have been before me. But to be exactly. honest, what, what actually Well, the Ashes was in June. Yeah. Yeah. June. yeah. But in June. The issue is, Ken, what happened was obviously I did speak to Marlis quite a bit, but then when he became quite big time, it kind of the only person oh, he had on the <laughs> like, I went from I went from hearing from him like every day when he was down here to suddenly every day looking at him making coffee for boys on his Instagram. Like, it was just a bit petty, oh. really. That kind yeah, of shows you. Yeah, and yeah. now his new best friend is Steve Smith, James. I you've know, got, it's, you've it's got put like, on the subs bench. I know, it's quite sad, really, but it just shows you the kind of guy he is deep down. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, like I say, it's probably the first time I spoke to him in a while. Just like, so it's good <laughs> to see him have some time for us. Um, I'm glad it's not too awkward then. No, 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 it's not awkward uh, at all. Not awkward uh, at all. Were, were we... <laughs> We get we get over it pretty quick. You know, when but, blokes have a bit of a fight, we just rough it out. <laughs> James usually ends up second best because they've probably got uh, ten kilos. What are you weighing at now, Jim? How much do I have to get you? Hundred and four, mate. Twenty kilos. It's a, bit, <laughs> it's a bit of an advantage there. I'm gonna have to. Uh, you, you've, probably got, you've probably got a speed on me, mate. 
I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm definitely cooked. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, kind of in a similar way with you, Marnus, like James was obviously born in Wales and raised in England and then came back to play for Wales. But you were born in South Africa and you were your early life was in South Africa and your first language is Afrikaans. And I feel like you, have you said to me before that you still like think in Afrikaans? Yeah, I still count like yeah. some numbers, numbers. Counting, I still like even multiples and stuff. I'll still use Afrikaans. I think that's just when I actually learned that and I sort of just have that in the back of my mind. But yeah, no, I don't think in Afrikaans, but I definitely count. Yeah. What is like, do you see home now as Australia or is there a part of you that kind of will always see South Africa as home? Like, what's your relationship like between the two? I know you've got to be careful um, what you say, you know, you are close to Australia no, no. now. I think it's a pretty easy look. Uh, there's definitely always going to be a soft spot for South Africa, right? I was born there. Um, I lived 10 years of my life there. I grew up there, you know, obviously as a young kid, I, well, I was sported South Africa. But there's no doubt in my mind now that my home is Australia and, um, you know, I love playing for my country. And I think, um, you know, sort of like James, it's just a bit of a, you know, the way it obviously unfolded. But I always wanted to play cricket uh, my whole life and, 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 and to be able to represent Australia um, at test level um, has been a yeah, real blessing. And it's been pretty cool um, to be able to do that over the last few years. But, yeah, it has been different. My relationship with South Africa, I mean, one of the probably most enjoyable moments I've had was when um, I played my first one-day series um, in South Africa against against South Africa. And um, I got 100 at my, um, you know, where I grew up in Poch, the town I grew up in, we played. And, you know, I, had, I think there was about 100 of my family came out to the game from South Africa and watched then I was able to get a hundred so that was pretty cool memory um to have in the in the memory bank um yeah so that was pretty cool um but yeah always a soft spot for South Africa that's for sure and I just wanted to touch on it quickly James but you've obviously played your professional rugby career in Wales but have you noticed like a difference in the kind of love and appreciation for the sport in Wales compared to England oh yeah definitely like like what I couldn't get my head around in for example, in Wales, was just the legend. Like they literally wear the rugby kit as a leisure kit, so they just walk around. There hasn't been a game of rugby. There isn't a game of rugby for four or five weeks, and they're still walking around in town in in Wales kit. And it's like, like I say, it's the atmosphere as well. Like you get, you you won't. I know everyone says, oh, you go to Twickenham, do this, do that. But like, I've been to watching Twickenham. I've been to watching um, Principality, and it's by far the best atmosphere you'll ever get. Especially, I'm, I've never been in there with the roof closed, and obviously that's another step up, but. It's honestly, it's just a, like you say, it's the passion for everyone. It's the main sport, really. If you look at it, if you look at, like, say, England, there's yeah. so much, it's, it's so diverse, there's so much going on. It's so, like, spread out. There's literally, you can think anything you can think of, they'll be doing. Whereas in Wales, you come down, okay, you've got football, they, they do play a lot, but, like, the heart of Wales, and everyone knows it is rugby. You yeah. ask anyone from a different That's country, definitely, yeah, that's a, definitely the vibe I got when I was in Wales. Yeah. It's just, you know, like you go anywhere and because obviously I play county cricket, right? Like people, you we predominantly play against the English teams um, and it's all about football and stuff like that where, you know, you go to Wales and it's all about rugby. You know, everyone loves rugby. Everyone loves supporting Wales. And I think there's definitely that really, I don't know, I feel like from the outside looking in, 
like it's definitely that real that's that one area I think Wales and England really compete hard against each other you know because obviously they don't have football well when I say they don't have football they're they're, yeah to the level you know they don't have cricket you know obviously Glamorgan is their like main cricket team but like they don't have a you know a, a country you know another sport that the country really dominates in and I think you know, rugby is that. Yeah, yeah, totally. So kind of back on the topic of, sort of times and places and serendipity, um, I'll start off with you, James. Has there been a moment in your life where it sort of seemed like fate and the stars aligned and it sort of brought you into the right place at the right time? Um, well, like I say, the, the, first, the first cap, like I say, for me was like how it all fell into place. I'm still to this day now shocked about what happened because mm. there was so many injuries. And like I say with rugby injuries, it's just it's just patience and virtue kind of thing. It'll happen. Um, and with it being a physical sport and the way it's going now, there's always going to be injuries. Um, and it was literally the fact that I, I just, how it all fell into line is I had a couple of good games, but I was like struggling with my shoulder. And then when I was just literally sat at home and then to have the phone call saying there'd been injury, I didn't even know. Like I, I watched the game when I saw, I saw, um, Lids get injured at the time. And when I saw him get injured, I was thinking, um, like, who are they going to bring in? I, I generally was thinking, like, oh, think of all the other players who've played who could come in. And then for me, literally, to have a phone, I looked at my phone, I was like, who's bringing me this time of night? Um, and then I answered it, and Nugget was like, oh, hi. I was like, shit. Like, literally, I, I froze on the phone. I, just, I was like, I thought it was like some sort of joke or something at first. And like I say, for that, you look back at it now and you think, what will I do? Or, how did that happen? And it's literally is. It's just it's just fate, like you say. Is everything is coming in line and it's all falling into place. And that moment might have never happened. It might have. It just depends. Like I say, all it takes to say is one person to get injured. It's just all fate. It is all mm. fate. Obviously, you work hard your whole life. But like I say, it might be the same. He had that was when, when Steve Smith got smacked in the head. Like it's all fate. It just happens. And the good thing is with professional sport, I just think the more patient you are, it just happens. People rush too much. Get, get themselves too down about it. And there's so many ups and downs. There's going to be more downs than there is ups in professional sport. And it's just how you deal with it, really, in my eyes. Really quickly, though, Nugget. What's the... the... Right. And why, why the name Nugget? What's the... Uh... I, I actually don't know. It's just it's one right. of those things. I actually don't know. Um, I should really know, but I don't. Um, Find out. But it's just it's just easy. Like the, the issue is you get you call everyone by their nicknames. And yeah, you get the actual yeah. legit names at times. Well, everyone yeah, calls you Jimbo same. and I, I still call you James. Time. I feel like I'm the odd one out. Yeah, honestly, like, I, when people call me James now in Wales, I'm like, I'm it's like, Jimbo. That's just weird. Yeah, it's like Jimbo, but then I get called Jim as well. Like Jim and Jimbo, they're only two I really get called down in Wales. Um, to us, I don't really get called James anywhere, but Jimbo is usually the one. But um, yeah, Jim is just like I feel like an old man when they call me Jim. <laughs> Uncle Jim. Yeah, literally. What about you, Marnus? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely think there's, there's always a way, like, I don't know about you, Jim, but when I was a kid, I always dreamed about how I see my career unfold. You know, I, I always wanted to be the young kid that was the best and played for Australia at the age of 20 and played, you know, 15, 20 years international cricket. I always saw that as the vision for me when I was a kid. And I remember when I got to 20 and it sort of like, you know, not everything had unfolded the way you did. But then I look back now after playing now three years for Australia 
and what it like how I would have never pictured how it unfolded and how it's so perfect now compared to you know and I think that's more I mean I'm a you know I'm a man of faith right so I believe in God and I believe that you know that these things happen for a reason and and I just look at how it's unfolded and it's so hard to imagine how I actually thought it was going to unfold because it's so you know so different yeah but it and it's so perfect in the right way like everything you know I mean you know the same right Jim the only way you get an opportunity is because someone else is injured or yeah you know I look at every single step of my career you know um when I played my first Australia tour to India um Matt Renshaw did a hamstring and I stayed on I wasn't even meant to be there but I stayed on and played um in um I played in a four-day game and then I got runs in the four-day game and then they couldn't drop me for the next game. So I had to play the next game. And then the next game I played, um, I ended up getting picked on the Australia tour off the back of that, off the back of that. Then we go to Dubai and I'm about to, I'm not in the, the 11, but then Matt Renshaw once again got get hits, gets hit at short leg and gets ruled out with concussion in the warm-up game. And I go out there and I replace him in that game and get 50 or 40 runs. And then all of a sudden I, I debut the next two days later. Like I wasn't even in the mix both those times. And then kind of the same in the ashes. Like I was like getting ready to warm the seats for the, you know, for the, for the ashes. And then all of a sudden Steve Smith gets injured um, and I get in and I score runs and then, you know, it kind of gets awkward because it's like, well, we can't drop him now. He scored runs and then, you know, you get an opportunity. So it's amazing when I look back at it, how it's unfolded. How was that like with Steve Smith? Like, obviously you kind of went in for him and I like, was there, I know now you're really good friends, but was there kind of a little bit of an awkwardness of him maybe being like, oh, this kid has just taken my shine or was it all very supportive? Like, how was it? Yeah, uh, no, definitely none of that. I think, I mean, Steve's like, you know, especially at that stage, I mean, 2019, he he was playing outrageously. He was Mm. so good. I don't think there was ever a thread of like, um, you know, feeling like his shine was in danger. I think he, he, yeah, I think he was one of the people that actually suggested that, you know, I was playing really well and, and that I think we should actually bring Marnus in. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I just think cricket's a different game as well because it's like, you know, we need everyone to do well. Otherwise, the team doesn't do well. So, it, you know, I think it, it's worked out really well that we've had, you know, that I've been able to be as consistent for the last three years because it just means that, you know, our batting lineup, um, you know, can perform very consistently because you know you have six batters in there that are consistently scoring runs now yeah I guess like the thing is isn't it just trust the process and just wait for your moment to come it's the the most important thing especially yeah. in professional professional yeah. cricket and I think and I think we've talked about it too Jim but it's about taking that opportunity when it comes as well mm. I think it can work out two ways right like you, you can you can wait for an opportunity but you still have to be able to take the opportunity when it's there because they don't, they don't keep coming, you know, like they, 
you know, it, there's a there's a there's an end time to those, and sometimes you stop getting opportunities. So yeah, I think it's important to to note that yeah, it's 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 actually being able to take those moments when when they do arise. That's massive, yeah. Because if you hadn't taken that at Lords, you wouldn't be where you are now, would you? Risk honest. No. If you had, if you'd no. gone out and got a duck, they would have been looked at completely different. And like I say, would you have got another chance? It's the same in rugby. Like some boys come out and they could have oh, an exactly. absolute howler. And that's just that. And, and a lot of people say, oh, that's unfair. But people don't realize how harsh professional sport can be. Like, say, so you can get one opportunity. Yeah. And even, even if you're established, you might come back from an injury and you still get one opportunity. You might have a howler. And then the new, the, the new yeah. guy on the block, the young kid, might come and take over. Like, that's just how it works. Yeah. I mean, that's a great example, right? You know, well, what does that game look like? you know, that game at Lords, if I don't score runs in that innings, you know, do I get another innings? Yeah. Do I get another innings? Maybe I get another innings. But then every single innings I'm having from that innings is like, this could be your last. This could be your last. This could be your last. And you don't know that, you know, getting 60 or 59 in that game against Lords then takes the pressure off. You sit back, you relax. And then you just trust the process. Then it's easy to trust the process. Um, but, you know, sometimes the process gets mugged up in the water because you want it so much and you're like, I have to score runs today. I have to score runs. Yeah. I know we've kind of touched on the highs, um, but obviously, especially with professional sport, kind of comes, comes the lows. Um, has there, what has been like a time in your life that's been extremely hard or difficult that you've had to go through, whether it be personally or professionally hold up now i've got issues i've got five percent battery on my ipad yeah technical difficulties the classic oh i'm back he's back he's back in business um yeah so james we'll uh we'll jump in with you um about if there's kind of been any standout lows um that have been really hard or difficult at any any point well, in I, life I, I, yeah, I've had, I've had quite a few lows. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I said before, I've had a lot more lows than I have highs in, in my life of rugby. Mm. Obviously, you can go into family beforehand. That's just the thing. But to do with my career-wise, um, I've had my ankles, both my ankles, when I did Sinners Most, I had operations with them quite bad. But my biggest so far in the feeling low-wise is missing out to even have the opportunity to put myself up for selection with how well I felt like the Six Nations went, the Autumns went previously, um, and then the summer tour coming into this period. Obviously, I had to have the shoulder off. I was thinking, okay, I could be back up for selection and maybe maybe have a chance of playing, but then not being able to, and then being able to watch it. For me, this has been probably the hardest I've, I've had because, okay, yeah, you have the ones beforehand that are playing, but when you've actually been there and had a taste of it, to miss out on the being in a full crowd for the first time, it'd almost be like a new cap for me. Mm. So it would be like my first cap again. So it's not the fact that I know I'd be there. It's the fact that I haven't even had the chance to put myself out there to be picked. That's just, that's the sport. Hopefully, like I say, it's just <clears throat> coming back and then playing really. But that's definitely the biggest layoff I've had for a while. Yeah. And Manus, what about you? Is there anything that you can kind of think of? Look, um, yeah, from a professional standpoint, I think, that you know, there's always there's always stuff that sorry change of scenery too. Don't worry, get a nice tour of the house. Um, yeah, I think I think yeah, from my perspective, I think you're. Oh, 
I've been really lucky, you know, obviously talking professionally um, that I think you just, you're kind of cricket, especially, I don't know if rugby is the same gym, but cricket, especially, I think you learn from a young age to deal with failure. Like, cause I think cricket is such a failure based sport. There's no real black and white, you know, like, like, you've either scored runs or you haven't scored runs. You've taken wickets or you haven't taken wickets. You know, there's no like, you know, there's quite a clear marking of how you went. And and even, you know, as a you know, six, well, three, four, five, six, you know, all the way to when I was, you know, 20s, you learn how to fail. And that's one of the biggest lessons you can learn in cricket. Um, so it really teaches you, you know, how to deal with it. And then when you play more and more, you kind of get more experience than you actually learn how to, you know, deal with the failure of, of the game. Um, yeah, look, the, there was one period um, probably when I was about 23. It was, ironically, it was, it was probably just before I, just before I thought, you know, I was, you know, talking to my manager going, oh, man, I'm not, I just, what's happening, you know, you know, stressing about, you know, potentially contracts and stuff like that. And, 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 you know, I hadn't scored many runs that year. And, and I remember, you know, I missed out in the first innings of the game. And then the second innings, I actually ended up scoring a hundred. And I remember talking into him a couple of nights before that, just going, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I was real nervous. I just wasn't scoring runs. I felt like I was sort of yeah, missing the boat a little bit. You know, I thought, you know, maybe this is, you know, maybe the dream's just slipping past you and it's 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 not going to happen. Um, but, you know, once again, it, it always works in strange ways because, you know, I, I remember thinking that and then the last five games of the year, I ended up being the second leading run scorer in the competition. Um, for that year and then ended up going on um, those tours I just said to you before to the UAE to play against Pakistan and this the Australia A tour yeah yeah and James I wanted to ask you this question because after seeing or maybe like being aware of kind of the downside that can maybe come from the public eye that came from your grandfather's success did you ever question whether you wanted to be involved in a potentially high profile profession and the scrutiny that can come with it? Or did your granddad kind of ever have a chat with you to kind of warn you, like, look, if, if you want to go into a career of professional sport, it's not always plain sailing and it's, you are a public figure and that comes with good and bad. Yeah. Like he's, they, they always have the, the pet talks with you and stuff. But mm. like you say, like Marcia, when you're growing up, you see, especially now with, when I've gone up, social media has been a thing. People have had like the press, everything's been online and stuff. And you see, as a young age, you hear stories like you talk about, like people doing things wrong and then then messing up their career. And it's kind of learning curves from that. But um, yeah, they, they, they spoke to me and I always knew like cricket, for example, I always get a stick, but I actually didn't enjoy cricket playing it as much as I did rugby. Mm. Um, and this this. Like you say, it's, it's, it's a hard one because you get a lot of youngsters who it's so easy to slip up. And sometimes people say, oh, you've got to mess up and learn from your mistakes. But in a lot of the time, you don't get the second chance. 
Yeah, I guess especially um, in this age with cancel culture as well, it's almost like you're under yeah. the microscope more than any. Oh, well, 100%. The, the only thing I, I'd recommend, like I say to people, is it's just the social media is the killer. Like mm. it's so easy to, to, to take a photo and at a moment or take a video, which it just isn't you at the time or it doesn't look, it, it, people get stitched up all the time. Uh, and the fact is, the scary thing is now, there's people actually after you trying to stitch you up. That never used to be really the case, but there's so many people out there. We, I call them keyboard warriors who literally are just, just there to try and sit you up, make money from your failure, basically. Um, so as youngsters, it's kind of, there needs to be more people kind of telling them and trying to lecture them and teach them the way to, the way to be. Because it's too easy now for people to just download an account, do something stupid on the night, or social media or whatever, and then it, the whole career is gone. I guess on the topic of social media, Martin, are you ever aware of kind of like how many eyes are on your account and similarly with James, or is it not something you really think about? No, it definitely comes into your, to your thinking. Um, you know, when you post stuff or when you say stuff, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all those, you know, I think it's just, it, it's something that comes with the job. Um, you know, you have to be responsible and if you're not, you know, you, you, you're like James just said, you'll, you'll suffer the consequences um, of that because, um, you know, the media and everyone really is waiting for you to make a mistake. You know, people don't necessarily like the, you know, Mr. Perfect or people that, you know, appear to have everything in a row. Um, and, and, and so, you know, whenever, you know, someone's going well, someone's always looking for, a negative to bring them down and 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 likewise you know and it works the other way as well right you know when you're going really well the media have uh, all over you and 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 then that's you know i i've had that a little bit when i first came into the australian side because i had you know so much success in one in one hit um that i was just able you know that all the media reports are positive but you know, as you play more and more, um, you know, people, yeah, just it, like you said, it, it's, it's a different era we probably live in than um, when your granddad played, you know, where, you know, there wasn't as much social media and stuff like that about. Yeah. And I guess as well with you, you've probably seen firsthand of how the world and the media can change and how kind of, especially, it's particularly in the ashes when Steve was coming back after his time away from cricket of how much scrutiny he was under and obviously now he's sort of back and he's not getting that negative media attention but that must have been quite eye-opening for you to kind of witness it firsthand no yeah absolutely I mean that ashes I've never seen that much abuse um you know thrown at thrown at two people in my life um the amount um that obviously Steve and Dave copped because that was their first um, series back from from their two years um, they were or 18 months they were off um, and it was just incredible and, and and look I've got a lot of respect for those guys the way they dealt with that and I mean the way you know there's really two accounts right one Steve Smith who just um, you know was was under the microscope was getting crunched by I don't know I mean Jim would have been at one of those games right you know just the crowd was just like outrageous. I mean, just all day for David Warner and Steve Smith, like they were going at him all day. And obviously Davey didn't have a very successful tour, but 
from a sort of behind the scenes, um, how he was around the team and in terms of culture and, and spirit. He just, it was amazing to see, you know, he was struggling on the field. He was copying it on the field, but he was still able to, like you said, keep that positive attitude and really think that every time he was going to go out there, he was going to do well. And it didn't happen for him then, but then the next series in Australia, he was able to pile on the runs. And um, yeah, so it was, it, was amazing. It, it, it was really a great series to be a part of for so many reasons. Um, you know, I learned a lot of great lessons through, through that series. And sort of touching on that series, um, Justin Langer, obviously the head coach for the Australian team, he's kind of perceived in the media to be quite like a serious guy with some sort of tough coaching methods. And obviously we know that you couldn't be sort of further from serious in a way you're quite playful and cheerful. How do your personalities match? Um, and what is the dynamic like between the two of you? Oh, we get along really well. Um, yeah, it's interesting, the dynamics. Um, we're actually very similar in a lot of ways, which is probably part of the reason we do get along so well. Um, you know, we both love playing for Australia. We both, you know, give 110% in anything we do. You know, I love training. I love... Oh, we lost him. He was on the roll. Right he, yeah. he definitely didn't turn his thing on. Where's he going? I'd love to be. I'd love to hear what he's saying to himself now. Oh, here he is. Here he is. Connecting to audio. Sorry, team. No, don't worry. Did the did the uh, the laptop battery die? No, well, it died, but then it just came back to life. I don't know what the hell this thing is doing. All the cash you've got. You Sorry about get that. Get a better laptop. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he's still using the neighbor's wi-fi james uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll have to tell yeah, paul about that actually, you'll owe, you owe him a bit of money yeah. uh, it's funny um yeah sorry um where were we we were talking what about talking kind about? of your dynamic and your similarities oh, yeah, with Justin with Justin, Langer. yeah yeah Pretty much. Uh, I think we're very similar in a lot of ways, hence why we get along. I love training. Um, I just will train as long as, yeah, I love I love hitting balls. Cricket's a skill game, so I love, you know, I don't feel like it's work. It's just fun. Um, so I love that. And, 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 and you know, my passion and, and love to, to win and, and play for Australia. So we get along. Um, yeah, so there's never really been a clash between us at all, really, in terms of that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty consistent in my personality. So I'm quite up and about and quite cheerful uh, usually. And I think, yeah. So I think the nice thing is, is that, you know, he's always said to me, you know, you've got to be true to yourself and you've got to be you. Um, so, and, and one thing I've learned over a long period of time, even if that does frustrate some people or, or whatever that, you know, that's not everyone's cup of tea. You've still got to be true to yourself. I think that's one of the most important things. Totally. Um, so this is for both of you. If you guys weren't professional sportsmen, do you know what you'd be doing or what else you think you'd be doing with your life? Or is that just can't, you couldn't even fathom? 
Yeah, I reckon. I reckon I'd be playing nine for the Wallabies. I'd be a lovely scrum. <laughs> probably, probably with some bigger, bigger pecs, <laughs> bigger biceps. Probably weighing in at like, oh, what do you reckon, Jim? Ninety-three. No, I don't think he gets it up. Like, KG. Is there any service? <laughs> Mate, you I'm eighty-four now. That's. Man, Mate, 10K, 10, 10 kgs on this frame. Can imagine what that looks like. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, so not nine for the Wallabies. Nine for the Wallabies. Caitlin. And what about you, James? Um, to be honest, I, I, I've got obviously business alongside it now, which is just a backup, but I've always thought, always wanted to play it. rugby. Um, yeah. And I think that's the key. You can have it as a focus, but my parents never really pushed me. Um, yeah. And they've always said, look, have a backup. So now I've got the little things like the turkeys, doing all the turkeys. I'm a countryside boy. I love it. Go on, do a, do a plug, James. Where can people get your turkeys from? Literally, come get What's t- this turkey business? Man, I'm doing turkeys. Got He's doing turkeys, Marnus. Come on. So doing turkeys. And then we're going to do what, as in like you're selling live turkeys? No, like... no, for Christmas. You can buy them live if you want them. You can have them as pets. You can have them for Christmas dinner, mate. You have them wherever you want. Um, now, Tur- turkeys anyway got chickens everything mate ducks doing everything and then um, oh, that's great I guess it's probably but, yeah, on a serious go on go on Manus. no no I was just going to say on a serious note very similar to Jim in that way is that I never really ever thought I was going to do anything else but play cricket and people always ask me oh, what's your backup I said well why do I need a plan B if plan A is going to work like, it's that thing again of and, and I mean it sounds yeah sometimes I sit back and I wonder like you know yeah it it could have easily you know we talked about all those certain things that have just happened the right time and the right place but uh, I do think there's an element of that belief that gives you no way out that gives you the only success is like forward and this is your door and you've got to take it Um, I think it's important to grow your other interests right I've got many other interests you know coffee and, and other areas that I like, you know, for business stuff and, and, and sponsors and stuff to, to try and um, sort of, yeah, organise that side. But I think from a career point of view, yeah, cricket has always been um, the thing and I didn't really have many other options. And similar to James, my parents never pushed me to play cricket or do anything. They just, one, they, one thing they did really well um, is they always gave you the confidence. It's like, no, like, if this is what you want to do, go and do yeah. it. You know, like... Do what you love. We believe in you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, 100% that. Right, we're almost, we're almost done, guys. Um, but I wanted to finish up with two questions um, because I always feel that, like, both food and music often provoke um, a memory, whether it's good or bad. Um, so first question is... Is there a particular song that transports you back to a specific time or place um, every time you hear it? Um, that's a great question. I've, I'm just trying to think what memory, you know, I've got a fair few memories. It's a pretty good point you made there, like um, songs attached to um, memories. Um, what was your song at your first, the, your first dance? That you uh, ah! We cut it out, um, we cut it out. <laughs> um, what was our first dance song? Uh, what was our first dance song? Hey, she can't remember either. She's giving me that look like, I don't know either. Obviously, very important one. <laughs> Good to see you remember it. 
Um, side note, um, I think one of the songs I really remember um, is the Australian team song, um, "The Day That We Beat That We Beat England at Old Trafford," um, because that was like to set the context for why that's so vividly in my mind is because we played the we played Headingley and that's where Ben Stokes played that outrageous innings and like beat Australia single-handedly and pretty much everyone just wrote us off. Like it's over, like Australia's done. Like there's no way they're coming back from that. And when we ended up beating England at Old Trafford and I don't know, it might've been 10 or 11 o'clock at night, when we were on the ground in a big circle singing the team song um, at Old Trafford, that was pretty special. Like that's one that just sits in your mind that you're like, wow, that was a pretty epic um, sort of time where I remember that song so clearly um, that day. What about you, James? Probably not really. No, no, it literally, that is exactly it. Because, yeah, whether it be personal or professional, it's like a specific song that just sticks in your memory whenever you hear it. Um, James? Sorry, this has just come back to all shopping. Um, (laughs) We're almost done. No, no, yeah, it's fine. For me, we're definitely, it's going back a bit. So when I actually, I'd say, enjoyed my rugby the most, and then actually where I decided over rugby yeah. and cricket um and that was the year we had as our team song it was like um black and gold but it's black and yellow by uh stan Spire, but we we were black and gold was that like gold as a team uh, that was our thing so we used to say black and gold um brown and gold sorry um and that was it we used to sing it in the changes after every game and just actually enjoying it and that was where i actually really then thought you know, rugby is for me not cricket uh we've been 18 17 18 at the time as well so yeah, that, that, that for me was was definitely the song that I remember. And it comes on now and it's straight away, as soon as that song comes on, I'm straight back to that memory of the first time I sang it. And it's called Busk, um, is, is, is the pavilion where we had at um, Seba, which is our home ground. Um, and that was it. It was kind of quite, get, get a bit goosey about it now. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you, awesome. you, you always hear it and it always brings it back. And it's literally, I know full well that that's what made me choose um, that group of lads that I was with those two years made me choose rugby and cricket. And like, I would definitely say, um, especially being Welsh and obviously rugby, I feel like music and rugby really goes hand in hand. Yeah. What do you guys ever kind of, if you've after games or whatever, break out into song or anything like that? Or is that all a bit of a myth that that happens? In the no, 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 no. That, that, that's, that's definitely uh, not myth. What's yeah. that? I said, not myth, absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah, got to happen, doesn't it? Like, like they say, you see all these videos of people, like every team, you see football teams, rugby teams, hockey teams, ice hockey, you name it, all these teams doing it. You'll see a video if they win a big, big, big event or something, champagne firing around, everything there, it's all jumping around, singing songs. That, that's just how it is. That's the culture. You all celebrate together. You're all a team, really. Yeah. And, you know, because I think I'm right, um, with this, but with the Wales camp, I think when you get your first cap, when you first come in, do you not have to sing a song? Yeah, you do, yeah. What was your song? I can't even remember. Oh, what did you think? I went, um, Hey There, Delilah. Oh, classic. Oh, oh, no, I'm thinking of, like, Delilah as in Tom Jones style. I was like, oh, absolute classic. Well, Shanty. No, my, my, <laughs> mine was terrible. Genuinely, that's one thing I can't do is sing. It's um, horrendous. Tone deaf. Just, I just can't sing. What's your singing like, Caitlin? 
I mean, I'll sing. I have no problem singing, but no one wants to hear it. Um, but yeah, but mind you, that's slightly better. I remember I asked Hallam Amos once what his was, and he said his was One Direction. So yeah, it's a slight step up, but yeah. you better have no answer. <laughs> you better have no answer than One Direction. Already. Right, guys, the final question. Um, is there any meal that you eat or love that, again, triggers a specific memory of a time or place? Like I have ones from my childhood that like I'll eat now and be like, oh, my gosh, that transports me back to like a comfort meal that like, my mum used to make for me. Is there anything like that that you guys kind of ever think of or eat that reminds you of um, a time or place in your life? The pizzas at the Robin Hood. Um, oh, the pizzas <laughs> at the Robin Hood, little Pork and cranberries. Oh, that, so that's good. Amazing. <laughs> oh, where's Paul now? I, um, I reckon, like, as a kid growing up, I think dessert, like, we always had, like, um, rhubarb pudding as a dessert. I was, you know, like, that's one of those recipes that has been passed down from my grandma to my mum to now passed down to Beck um, and, like, I think that's just one of those ones where every time you have it, it just transports you back to like where you used to have that as a kid, you know, coming in, you know, when you and all the cousins were playing outside and coming in and eating your, your dessert after dinner. And then, you know, everyone sort of just hanging out. I think that really promotes or that triggers that family memory. Mm. How about you? Um, oh, you've got more. Yeah, I got, I got, you got, I got heaps, but uh, that's probably the best one I can, I can give you. You sure you do? You don't look like you're eating much, one. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel the same now. I feel like my arm would, hey, any danger of a bicep? You need to eat some of it, man. Mate, I eat, mate. You've seen me eat. You do I eat a lot, yeah, but it's just, just I don't know where it goes, my. Um, goes to my hairline. I tell you what, it's just actually got better since I last saw you. Still not great, but no, I think you're just getting tricked because I wear it like this now. I wear it like the Ooh, the sort of double. This is an interesting the... uh, look, Marnas curtains. Is that what you go? See that? See the curtains? See it covers the no. receding hairline there. How will this get? For me, for me, food wise, it's it's a bit of a random one again, but that brings back memories. But I haven't I actually haven't had one for ages. It's a ham and salad cream sandwich. Right, I know it's cl- I know it's nuts, right? But my grandma, um, my mum's side. So whenever I was injured, I always or ill or anything like that, I'd always go to my grandma's and she'd look after me because everyone else, dad would be away, mum would be away, kind of thing, and everyone else. And I'd always have. She'd make me on the regular. Literally, I, I had it. So if she was downstairs, I'd be upstairs. And if I had two taps, I'd, I'd want a sandwich. One tap would be a drink. So I used to bang the floor. Basically, if I bang twice, she'd bring me up ham and salad cream sandwiches. And from there, that's all I remember as kids. If that's the one, one meal that I could just always have, like when I was ill, injured, whenever, anything i just just go to was that. Yeah. It was just another weird one, but. Oh, I love that. Do you have salad cream in Australia? I feel like it's a very British thing, salad cream. No, I don't no. know how many. It's, it's quite like an acquired taste. It's got a bit of a tanginess to it. It's like mayo with the tangy oh, twist stunning. is how I would describe stunning. it. Yeah. Hey, what? Well, I just thought of another one, right? Go on. Uh, this, this is one. As a kid, do you guys, you guys, I think it's called crepes in in crepes. England. You know yeah, crepes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crepes. Like the pancakes crepes. But in South Africa, yeah. <laughs> crepes. <laughs> what, what are you saying? 
You mean crepes? Crepes. <laughs> crepe. It's a French, French thing, crepe. Like a little pancake, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> In South Africa. In South Africa, they're called banakuk. So it's called banakuk. So you have it with like, so mum, you always, mum would always make it. If it was a rainy day and you'd come home from school, mum would make these banakuk. So you'd have it with syrup and cheese or cinnamon sugar or. Um, syrup and cheese together. Syrup and cheese. Yeah, yeah. Great combo. Yeah. Or kind of cheese though. Is um, that like cheddar cheese or. Yeah, cheddar, yeah, cheddar. Yeah, yeah. Straight yeah. up cheddar. Um, yeah, and, and then like, so that was a definite memory. You go back, you, you know, you come home, it's a rainy day. Even if it's the afternoon at school, you're like, it's raining. And you know, when you get home, mum's going to make pancakes. It's going to be there, ready to just smash them. It's like an afternoon sort of snack when you got home. Um, and that's something that, you know, I still go to mum's now. You know, if it's a rainy day, I pop over to mum, I give mum a buzz, oh, mum. Well, you reckon make some pancakes? And mum's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So mum's cooking up pancakes for me at 27. Not sure, not sure if that's really appropriate, but there you go. <laughs> um, no, that's 100% appropriate. I feel like that's what your parents are for. They'll always treat you like kids, even when we're yeah, like cooking adults. pancakes. <laughs> Guys, that is that's it. We're uh, we're out of all questions, but honestly, it's been so nice and fun to have like a little catch up with you with you both and you doing a little little there we go we and on that note he's got he's got to get back to his uh, batting practice he's a sad man you are a sad man at 10 o'clock at night what are you doing oh just uh, having a little batting practice have you been sat there the whole time man it's just holding on to your bat you can't be too far away yeah no it has it's been just there <laughs> Where's your rugby ball, James? I'm not that sad. I switch <laughs> off to. No, honestly, guys, this has been so lush, and I'll relieve you of your duties now. Um, Thank you. And I will stop pestering you to try and organise this call. Nah, it was a pleasure, Kevin. Nice to see you, Jim. Oh, please. <laughs> you were more difficult. <laughs> Nice to talk to you guys. Thank you, guys. All the best. I'll speak to you later. Bye. Bye.